Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is uh, coming to speak at the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference just next week in Dallas, Texas, February 16th to the 18th. Ken Lang, uh, the Key Technology Officer at Cosimo, C-O-S-I-M-O. Ken, how are you? I'm good, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you. I know you have a, a very extensive background with a lot of um, you know papers and patents under your belt. Can you give folks um, just a brief rundown of your background and how you got into the blockchain industry? Absolutely. Um, so I uh, I was a graduate student in uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning at Carnegie Mellon, um, and I was working on machine learning techniques um, for things like uh, search and information filtering. I started a company there that was eventually bought by Lycos, the search engine, back in the 90s, and uh, became Lycos's chief technology officer. Um, so, uh, and, and you know, that was an interesting time to go through because. Um, I, there's a lot of interesting comparisons you can make through that that run up of the internet um, and now what's happening in the crypto space. So a lot of lessons learned there. Um, I did a few other tech companies after that. Um, uh, another company I was involved with um, was in the uh, hedge fund world. So applying things like uh, machine learning techniques and and so on uh, to um, to the to the markets. So I got a good background in in um, um, asset management and and uh, technology for for that. Um, then um, I was in the patent monetization space for a little bit in a public company called uh, Ringo, um, which I had uh, uh, founded an earlier company and um, and uh, merged with that company to become the uh, the chief technology technology officer there. Um, some of my earlier patents were then used um, to get into a big battle with Google, and that was an interesting um, an interesting adventure as well. Um, but it also gave me uh, a place from which to spend a lot of time doing some deep thinking about um, the crypto space and blockchain and Bitcoin. And um, so I was involved, involved in uh, working on, on uh, that space pretty early on. I even had my own, you know, Bitcoin mining rig from a, a pretty early point. Um, and I could see it was going to be big. And I could also see, you know, it would be a really grand experiment. Uh, but I could also see where it might not... Um, it might not go as, as well as it could and how it could be improved. And so that kept nagging at me. And I uh, uh, would talk with other people who kind of felt the same way. And gradually we kind of formed a group and um, of people who wanted to see how, where we could go next um, with all the interesting advances that have been made with Bitcoin. 
And um, over time, that grew into a, an effort to, to build something new. And um, then I eventually joined up with Cosmo Venture Capital, where I am now. And Cosmo uh, helped fund the group. And now I'm helping across uh, all of Cosmo's portfolio with other companies in the crypto and blockchain space as well. So let's okay. talk about Cosmo now. What's the main premise of Cosmo? What, what's it uh, purported to do? Uh, so so Cosmo, um, Cosmo Capital... Uh, has focused uh, for the past couple of years on uh, bridging the gap between uh, Europe, uh, the UK, and, and Ireland specifically, and, and looking at all the great technology that was being built there and, and uh, startup companies that were going on there that could do so much better if they had a nice bridge over to the U.S. market where valuations were better, where there was more capital, where there was access to much bigger markets. And um, so Cosmo has built this great team that um, straddles uh, the Atlantic um, and, and helps scout out and find those kinds of companies that want to move to the American markets and, uh, and help bring, bring in more capital and expand their presence here and, and, uh, and go from there. And um, I had known uh, Rob Frasca, one of the founders of Cosmo Capital, ever since my, my uh uh, Lycos days. Uh, he he actually was one of the people involved in the company uh, that we sold to Lycos, and he was a he was a general manager at Lycos when I was the chief technology officer. And um, so he was a natural person to uh, to to show the work I'd been doing with this group on this in this new crypto, and uh, he just loved it. And so the the course of events has been that uh, Cosmo has has gone further and further into the crypto and blockchain space and just loved it and um, is is moving ever ever more in that direction. So what's an example of uh, of the use case of Cosmo? You know, I don't know if you can name the name of a, a client. You know, what are some specific instances where you guys have uh, have helped? So so Cosmo as as a venture capital company mostly is about about identifying funding companies and you know helping accelerate them um and, and sort of being a full service venture capital uh company um and and as chief chief technology officer I get very hands on with um with the companies uh I'll I'll mention two specifically um one is one company that uh we've invested in is called Gecko and they um they do blockchain compliance and, and governance and um, the one that I spoke of uh, earlier um, with this group I've been involved with for quite a while is called NDAO. And NDAO is a new cryptocurrency for, uh, for long-term, uh, long-term store of value. And um, that, one's not been, that one's not been publicly launched yet, so I can only tease you a little bit about it. Uh, my talk uh, that I'll be giving next week um, will be about how digital governance works, what are the big issues, um, what, we're, what we're doing with NDAO, um, and, and some of the things that I, I think people need to think more about. I, I think we're really at the beginning of some, um, some big conversations that need to be had about the, the future of cryptocurrencies and blockchain and, and what we really want out of digital governance and why it's important and what are the opportunities to do better than what's been possible before blockchain technologies existed. So what do you see is happening? Uh, what's, what's on Cosmos' roadmap for the next six months or a year? How are you specifically going to be uh, either continuing what you're doing or altering it and going into new niches within crypto? Uh, so uh, Cosmo um, has a number of, of uh, projects and new funds coming out in the crypto space. Uh, I don't want to pre-announce those. Um, the the one uh, the one I was uh, talking about with uh, with digital governance that that will be coming out. It's called Endow, and the the company the company that's been funded behind it is called Onero. 
Um, the, I think the digital governance issues there will apply to basically any of these efforts. Um, and that's, that's, that's where I think that there's exciting value to be built is um, you, we keep seeing, you know, these various cryptocurrencies coming out and they run into some kind of big, big problem, right? Where the, you know, one group wants to go in one direction and another group wants to go in a different direction and then they have to fork or um, there, there is uh, some big regulatory issue or some, some problem that they have where, uh, you know, an exchange gets robbed or some, something gets stolen like in the Dow. And these are big problems that without any form of digital governance to resolve, um, I, I think it creates instability. And um, if you want to have a monetary system that lots of people can, can use, you've got to have more stability and dependability, um, and, and only institutions like digital governance can provide that. Within governance, um, again, let's break it down. What, what type of governance? What issues do you see that are important for you know, crypto tokens in order to make governance work or not work? Well, you know, I, I think one of the things I, I want to start the debate in the space uh, about uh, what we mean by digital governance and why it's important. And, and there's been this notion of, um, you know, hey, decentralization is great and, and making things as decentralized as possible is, is the only way to go. There's a you know, very strong argument people are making about that. And I, I want to really poke at that a little bit and, and start to question why, why is it people believe that? Why are they pushing that direction? And I'm very sympathetic to it in that I, I, think, I think the big reason behind that is uh, that, that um, people uh, are looking at the institutions in the non-digital world, their, governing, their, 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 their governments, their monetary systems, their court systems, all these different kinds of institutions, and they are um, they're seeing that, you know, there's lots of problems there and people keep saying, well, you know, let's just, just, just put better people in there. Right. And we'll, we'll try to reform it from within. And there's a lot of frustration with that. And I think as these institutions grow more powerful, powerful interests come in and try to influence them. And, and that, that starts to lead them off course from where, you know, the, the people they're supposed to represent would like to, to see them go. And I think, I think that the idea of decentralization, part of the impetus for that is, that, um, uh, you know, people see those concentrations of power and they see what happens and they see how they're, they're an easy target um, for, uh, for other entities to try to influence. And they say, well, if you decentralize it, then there's nothing to attack. And, um, and, and I get that. I can see why, you know, that, that's one way to try to approach it. But ultimately, um, I don't think that works. You still have to make centralized decisions about any ecosystem, whether it's digital or non-digital. You know, if you if you're going to make a decision about your uh, your protocol and your source code base, well, you can't have everybody make different decisions. It has to be a group decision. And so that's a centralized decision. And that means some form of governance has to take place and decision-making process has to happen that should represent the interests of everybody as well as possible. That's a governance issue, you know? So to say that, oh, well, we're just going to be completely decentralized, kind of doesn't reflect the reality of, of what has to happen. Oh, all right. So an example, I guess, would be Dash. You know, masternodes vote on proposals people bring to the uh, the Dash system. They use part of the treasury that Dash has accumulated each time it mines a block, and it awards people of projects that masternode holders think worthy. So that's a form of governance, the voting exactly. system. Exactly. You know, what exactly. are some other forms and, that you think work well? Um, so, you know, I think we're, at, we're actually in the first inning. So I, I, I'm arguing that I think that we actually need to go a lot further. And I see, I see a lot more issues, big issues that are causing problems than I do successful implementation. So, um, you know, take something like um, with, um, with Bitcoin, right? So 
Uh, I love Bitcoin. I was involved with Bitcoin from very early on. But it's um, but you, when you look at something like the the block size debate, right? So you know when you see fees that go up to thirty or forty dollars each, that kind of alarms people. That's an obvious limitation to growth. So that, and then there becomes this debate, right? Some people you know don't want to change the block size because they think that. Uh, you know, well, if you keep the block size small, then the blockchain will be smaller, and then more people can do mining, um, and that, and other people, and and then we'll just simply make another layer on top, like the Lightning Network, to do to do more transactions at lower fees. But a lot of people look at that and say, you know, look, that's that's not a big enough argument for the problem it's creating right now. Simply make the block size bigger, like they did with Bitcoin Cash, and fees will plummet. And that will make that will make it massively more valuable because a lot more people will be able to use it for more things. And so you see different kinds of interests and judgments going on. Further, you have a you have a breakdown in these different kinds of interests and how they are able to exercise their political power in that you have some people that are in control of the source code. You have some people that are just holding Bitcoin and you have some people who are doing mining. Right. And they all have sort of a different kinds of effects on what direction it may go. But it's not a, it's not a sort of a coherent system. I don't think I don't think it's clearly defined who gets to make any decisions and and how how balances of all those interests are weighed together to benefit everybody in the best way. And I think when you don't define that, when you have sort of an undefined governance situation, um, that's when you actually don't get the best results. Um, so. Um, you know, whether Bitcoin has made the right decision on its block size or not, I, I, from what I can see, there's a lot of frustrated people uh, that don't feel like they were heard. And that's not a good outcome. So, yeah, I mean, well, it seems like, uh, you know, Bitcoin has a de facto governance model. It's more decentralized than uh, most tokens. There's no originator around. Satoshi's gone. What lessons can we learn from the Bitcoin model and where do you think uh, Bitcoin is headed with its governance? I think the lesson is, you know, I think it was a fantastic experiment, right? And, and one lesson is to say that, oh, well, we just won't have digital governance, right? And it'll just be decentralized. And if people don't like the direction it's going, they can vote by deciding whether to run a node or to make a fork and, and to go off into the direction. I mean, I like the fact that it, it feels like everything's completely voluntary, um, but it, to say that that's a, that's a way to do it, it, it really just doesn't, uh, doesn't, it neglects the fact that you've got a coherent ecosystem and a lot of people have a lot at stake and they'd like for, you know, their interests to be weighed and the best decisions to be made and instead of just creating more forks, because that, that creates more uncertainty, right? I don't think having lots of forks and people trying to decide, you know, how am I, you know, what should I store my value and what should I transact with? What should I have as a vendor? What kinds of, you know, currency should I accept? I can't accept, you know, thousands of these things. Um, so, you know, I, I think what we've learned is saying there's no digital governance at all doesn't really work. There has to be, it has to be well thought out. And I think that we have to start looking more at how non-digital governance operates and all the lessons that have been learned there and trying to see if we can improve upon that. We don't have to do, we don't have to do as, as, as poorly as the uh, existing non-digital institutions. I think we could do better than them, right? We have tools that they didn't have when, when their systems were invented. And so it's this fantastic opportunity for experimentation and, um, you know, who hasn't looked at their own government, right? And, and said, hey, you know, I really wish this, this system worked better and I wish this would change and come up with various ideas for how you wish it could be. And you realize how hard it is to reform it. Well, 
you know, now you, now you can actually create your own a digital governance system and you can test it out and you can see whether your ideas work better than, than what's been done before. I think it's, it's a, a, a really rare moment in history where we're going to see a, a myriad different kinds of experiments uh, taking place to see what works, what ideas represent people's interests well, what ideas make for a resilient uh, kind of governance because whenever you talk about monetary systems, right, you're, gonna, you're, you're talking about uh, huge amounts of value that's a tempting target for people to try to attack. And you want to create something that's resilient, right? You don't want to have um, somebody take over your governance system and, and do a big bailout like what happened in 2008 where, you know, $800 billion was handed out to um, in sort of a crony capitalism style. You know, that I don't think that really made anybody happy. Well, I mean, what are some solutions that, uh, that you've thought of? Tweaks to governance, uh, essential elements, that kind of thing. Well, so um, you know, I, I think uh, one thing that one thing that has to be done is um, you know we we've got this great blockchain technology, right? That lets um, governance happen in a transparent and accountable way on a blockchain where everybody can see everything that's happening. Um, we should be using that. You know, uh, if you look at say the last um, uh, election cycle, right? You had you had both sides claiming the other was rigging the election, right? And yet we're not seeing really anything happening as far as fixing any of the sources of this supposed rigging, right? Um, with the blockchain, that's one of the I think one of the, the the great technologies that's evolved in here, right? Is you have a system that's much more difficult to, to tamper with and is, is cryptographically secure. And even though many attempts have been made to try to break it, and it seems pretty strong, we really could demonstrate better ways to elect uh, delegates that can, that can represent and make better decisions on the part of the ecosystem. Um, and we can watch those decisions take place. And if you don't like the decisions that they're making, you can recall that delegate, bring them out and put somebody better in. Um, and we can do this all in a very rapid style. It doesn't have to be something where you wait, you know, two years or four years or six years to get somebody new in. Okay. Um, I, and I'd say, I'd say another comparison you can make is I think some of the digital governance right now in the, in the blockchain world, right, is you have these foundations. But who gets to choose who's on these foundations, right? They're, you know, if I, hold, if I hold some Bitcoin, I don't get a certain number of votes to see who gets to be on the Bitcoin foundation, right? Or, and I don't get... I don't get to a say in, in, say, this company Blockstream that seems to have a lot of the control over the, the source code for, for Bitcoin. Um, why why right. is there a better connection between those stakeholders and, and the, the governance of, the, of the, the key issues like that? So is Cosmo changing existing governance systems or setting up new ones for companies? Or Again, what's your role? So, so we've got a couple of companies here we're talking about uh, that, that are in our portfolio. One is Gecko, which is doing, um, doing uh, governance and compliance um, uh, and regulatory, re managing regulatory stuff for, for lots of different things. Um, uh, they're out now. You can go check out their, their website. Um, and the one I'm more closely involved with is, is a, a company called Onero, and it's cryptocurrency Endow. And that one, that one is targeting specifically a better long-term store of value. And what people are uh, not liking about the current options that are out there now, you know, seeing this huge volatility go up and down, you know, that's a problem. Um, and part of the Part of the reason it goes way up and down is there is there is no um, coherent digital governance over it that can do things to to stabilize it. Um, so you know we're um, we're focused on building better digital governance um, for Endow and uh, and demonstrating that these governance systems work, that they're resilient, that they're more responsive and accountable and transparent for all the stakeholders, 
And as, as we prove that works on a, on a system that has a lot of value behind it, um, then we hope that can be a turnkey governance system for other kinds of entities as well. You know, whether it's corporate governance or if a local government wants to try it, we hope that we'll have proven it out over time and that they can, they can try using it out as well. So when a company, do companies typically approach you or you approach them or how do you uh, initially interact with clients? Out in the marketplace. Well, so for uh, for Onero and Endow, um, we we've not um, uh, we've not launched it publicly yet. So we've been doing some deals behind the scenes, but nothing we're ready to announce yet. Um, and Gecko works on a business to business basis, so they have their their uh, their own uh, marketing and sales force. Okay. Um, so what will people see out in the marketplace? Will they see that a certain token or company announces a change to how it's uh, running its governance model? Or is this, again, all new projects where the, you know the, uh, you start from scratch or you can't do it at all? What's, how does it work? Yeah, well, we believe in the, in the idea of, you know, uh, you know, there's a saying in the tech world, right, you, you need to eat your own dog food, right? So if, you, if you're going to design new kinds of digital governance, and your claim is that you know they are more accountable, more transparent, more responsive to stakeholders, um, and, and more resilient against external attacks than what's happened before. We got to prove those claims, right? So you need to build a system that has real value in it, um, real currency in it that's that's operating, and that people are depending on it. And then then you you demonstrate that it that it it does all of those things well. And once you've done that, then the opportunities come to try it out in other environments. All right. Well, very good. What, um, what's the best way for interested companies, uh, what, whatever stage they're in, to get in touch with Cosmo and find out how you can uh, make sure their governance is done right or needs to be changed? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so people can come to the Cosmo website, CosmoVenturePartners.com. Um, that's probably the easiest way, and they can check out all the different projects we're working on there. Or, or CosmoVentures.com is the shorter one. The last question, what is, is Cosmo an acronym and what does it stand for? Uh, good question. So uh, when Cosmo was first created, uh, my uh, my colleague from back from my Lycos days, Rob Frasca, he was always a big fan of of the Medici's and um, and Cosmo Medici in particular. You know, he was one of the guys who really um, was a, a you know a big uh, patron of the Renaissance, and he loved all the the things he brought into the world. And so he named it after Cosmo Medici. Now, interestingly enough, that was before. Cosmo was really focused on, you know, blockchain stuff, but it, it, it turns out it, it was very apropos because the Medici's were the inventors of the, of the uh, uh, double entry ledger system. And, and we're, we're doing distributed ledger systems now all over the place. And so it's, um, this is kind of the, this, uh, a new renaissance for, for that kind of technology. And, and we hope that, you know, we, we're a part of, of inventing and innovating things in that, in that area the same way the Medici's were. And how can people get in touch with you particularly, or is it better that they just uh, contact Cosmo? Uh, they can reach me at ken at cosmoventures.com. Okay, very good, Ken. I appreciate you coming on the call. Thank you for your help. Thanks so much, Rich. Great talking to you. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com.
You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.